0: Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life, for life. Today I want to take a different twist to the Passover. We're going to be talking about the same thing, but from different angles until we have a deeper understanding of whatever we're doing. One of the things that I've observed in life is, I don't know if you come from where I come, I come from Zimbabwe, that's where I originally come from. So, to those who are familiar with uh, the story of Zimbabwe, uh, on the 18th of April, they do celebrate the independence. That means there is a story behind the independence. There is a story behind what? There is a story behind the independence, and unfortunately, it's not every... It's not everyone who has got the opportunity of celebrating independence because other people were never colonized before. Yeah, So it's, especially to our young people, the concept of independence might take a bit of time for them to really understand it because they don't know the struggles that our parents, our, our, our grandpas and grandmas went through for us to be where we are. So on the 18th of April, the whole nation uh, joins together and they celebrate the independence. Now, that independence, what I have observed, especially of late because of the beauty and the glory of uh, technology, if you use it quite wisely. Uh, on that day, you tend to find reporters from different angles. They do interviews of general people in the street and uh, those who go to the national sports stadium traditionally. You'll find that uh, they tend to do interviews. So tell us, what's your understanding of this day? What's What's, what's the significance of this day? And it's only now that we begin to hear so many different stories and so many different versions. And I remember last year someone being interviewed, and they were being asked, "So, what's what's your what's your understanding of this uh, independence?" And one person stood up and they said, "You know what? It's the only day that we can eat meat. Yeah, it's it's the only day that we can come in. We get free food. Yeah." So for them, there is no connection as to the real story of the independence. They, there is no link at all. And if you are to ask other people, you know, they'll tell you that, you know, I, I just found myself here. It's either maybe we were forced to come here or everybody was driven just to come here. But there is no connection whatsoever to the, to the meaning or to the message of that particular event. Now, the, one of the dangers that I've come to learn and understand in life is that if if the message of a particular event is lost, well, let me put it this way. If the message is lost, the meaning is what? The meaning is also lost. And once the meaning is lost, the event can easily become meaningless. Am I making sense to somebody in the house? Once the message of an event is lost. What happens to the meaning? The meaning is also lost. And once the meaning is lost, the event becomes meaningless. So people can gather in thousands and thousands. People can, can, can spend loads of money preparing for it, making it a beautiful day. But as long as the meaning is lost, as long as the message is lost, the meaning is also lost. And once the meaning is lost, the event simply becomes meaningless. And I've come to understand that This same thing also applies even to our Christian faith. We've got this glorious event that God has given us through the nation of Israel that is called the Passover. We find it in the book of Exodus. where we find this nation called Israel, they've been in bondage in captivity. The Bible says for almost 430 years. Somebody say 430 years. Can you ask somebody who's next to you how old are you? Don't tell them how old you are. Just ask them how old are you. Go on and ask them: Are you anywhere near four hundred and thirty? Are you anywhere near four hundred and thirty? You are not anywhere near four hundred and thirty. But how many of us agree that if you are, if you are, if you are as old as Gogo, you you, you 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 can safely say, you know what? I've lived long. Yeah, you can safely say, you know what? I've seen it all. But imagine a nation. In captivity, not for 80 years, not for 100 years, but for 430 years. You know what? In that particular situation, the people of Israel had lost the hope of deliverance. They had lost the hope of freedom. Why? Because generations were coming and generations were going. They were all living under the same conditions. They were all living under the hard hand of their masters, the Egyptians. For 430 years, these are Different generations coming in and different generations going. Continuing to live in the very same situation. Up and until the Bible says, and then God heard the cry of his people and he remembered his covenant and God came to their rescue. I can imagine when Moses was coming to the people and is explaining to them, that God has sent me to be your deliverer. To take you out of Israel. In other words, to take you out of a 430 year old history you know what in your normal thinking if i was there i think i would have been one of the people who would say to moses you are crazy man you are crazy moses you are dealing with 430 years four you're not dealing with 4 years moses get it right moses we are not talking of 4 years We are not talking of 40 years, Moses. We are talking of 430 years. But I'm so grateful that God can change a history. It doesn't matter how old that history has become. So be encouraged even in your situation. You might think that wherever you are, it's been long now. You might think that your situation has taken so long. We've got a miracle working God. We've got a way making God. We've got a God who can part the Red Sea and create a way where there is no way. We've got a God who can open a new chapter for you, regardless of how long you have been in that situation for. We see it exactly in the word of God. Israel had a story of 430 years, but God brought that story to an end. And I can show you by the grace of God that your story, no matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult, no matter how tough it is, our God is able to change your story. Do I have a witness in the house? So that story of of Passover is is what we see now God using as the the means or the strategy of ending the slavery to the nation of Israel. He calls Moses and says, Moses, go and call Aaron. And I want you to give this instruction. Go and speak to the people of Israel and say to them, on this night, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to come and take you out of slavery. But here is what I want you to do. On the 14th day of the first month, I want you to go and slaughter a lamb that is one year old. Go and slaughter a lamb that is one year old. When you do slaughter it, the blood of that lamb, go and apply it on the door frames. Go and apply the blood on the door frames. And that is for the blood, but as for the body of the the lamb. I want you to go and roast it. Don't boil it, but I want you to go and roast it. And I want you to eat together as families. I want you to gather inside the house, and I want you to gather as a family. Now, at night time, when I pass through the land of Egypt, when I send an angel of death, the one who's going to execute judgment upon the nation of Israel, the Bible says, God says, when I see the blood on the doorpost, when I see the blood of the lamp on the doorpost, I shall pass over you. In other words, I'm not going to release judgment upon every house where the blood is found. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That is why in the church, we normally sing that song. When I, when I see the blood, when I, when I see the blood, when I, when I see the blood, oh, I will pass, I will pass over you when I when I When I see the blood when I see the blood blood. When 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 I see the blood. I will pass over you. So that, that was the Passover. And God says, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. So the, 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 the Passover had two critical components to it that are emanating from the lamp. The blood and the body. As for the blood of the lamp, apply it on the doorpost. As for the blood or the, the body, the flesh of the lamp, I want you to come and protect from it. Now, Israel had to do this year in, year out. For generations to come, they were supposed to observe this. They were supposed to come to to this moment. And for me, I see the Passover as the Independence Day for Israel. The Passover, in, in modern language, I would say, that was the independence for the nation of Israel. Commemorating or celebrating their independence from the Egyptians. Because for 430 years, they, had, they were living under the Egyptians until God came to their rescue. So every year, on the 14th day of the first month, which was called the month of Nisan, they came to celebrate what they called the Passover. For us, we call it the independence. So they did that year in, year out. Year after year. Generations came and generations went, but they continued to observe the Passover. Until we come to the New Testament, where we see Jesus the Christ coming on the scene. And in Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew writes and says, when the Passover came in, Jesus called his disciples and he gathered them together for them to sit and partake of the Passover meal together. And it was now on this meal that we begin to see a better picture of the Passover story in the Old Testament. Because when he sat with his, with his disciples, he took the blood, he took the cup, I put this correctly. He took the cup, and he also took the bread. And as they were eating, he lifted up the bread, and he said, this bread represents my body. And he took the cup, and he says, this cup represents my blood. Can you see the two key elements that we find in the Passover in the nation of Israel in Old Testament are the same two principles that Jesus is bringing meaning now to. And he says, as for the blood of the lamb, it represented my blood. As for the body of the lamb that the Israelites ate on the Passover day, that body or that lamb, it represented me. I can hear John in chapter number 1, verse number 29. When he saw Jesus passing by, John lifted up his voice and he said to his disciples, Behold the lamp of God that takes away the sins of the world. So when you come to the New Testament, we are beginning to have a deeper meaning, a spiritual meaning to everything that the Israelites were doing. That is why in theology we say, the Old Testament is the shadow of the New Testament. Am I talking to somebody in the house? That's why we say the Old Testament is the shadow of the New Testament. Everything that you find in the Old Testament, it was prophetic. It was pointing to the new that was coming. Glory be to God. So the Old Testament is the shadow and the New Testament is the substance. Glory be to God. So we see Jesus sitting down with his disciples and he's instituting this Passover. Now, from there, it changed from being the Passover to becoming the Lord's table. Others, they call it the Lord's table. Others, they call it the Holy Communion. Others call call it the Lord's supper because that was the supper that they took on the Passover day. Glory be to God. Now, when Jesus did all this, his disciples were also charged to continue to observe now the Lord's supper or the Holy Communion. So the disciples, were no longer do it on a year-to-year basis, but the disciples, you find that now they were doing it on a weekly basis. On the first day of the week, which was assigned to them, they would sit on the Lord's table. And you hear the book of Acts saying, they went from house to house, and they were breaking bread. From house to house, and they were breaking bread. That is talking of what? That is talking of communion. But the part that I want to draw your attention to, it is when you come to the book of 1 First, uh, First Corinthians, uh, chapter number 11, verse number 26. This is now Paul speaking to a church that is in Corinth, a church just like us. He's writing out to them because there was chaos in that church. They had lost the, myth, the message of the event. And because they lost the message of the event, they also lost the meaning of the Lord's table. And because they lost the meaning of the Lord's table, the event became meaningless. There was now strife. They were now fighting. There was anger emanating from the Lord's table. There was a hatred emanating from the Lord's table. And now Paul, when he heard about what was happening in the church in Corinth, he sat down and he began to write, bringing in corrections. Rebuking them and correcting them from all the errors that they were doing as far as this event is concerned. Remember I said, if where the message is lost, the meaning is what? Is also lost. And once the meaning is lost, what happened to the event? Oh, talk to me, church. Let's go again. If the message is lost, what happens to the meaning? The meaning is lost. And once the meaning is lost, what happens to the event? The event become meaningless. So for the church at Corinth, the Lord's table had become meaningless. Why? Because it had lost its meaning. The reason it lost its meaning, because the message of the event was lost. And the same thing that was happening to the church of Corinth, there is a danger that it can also happen in our lives. There is a danger that it can also happen even in our time. Where the message of the event or the message that is in the Lord's table, it can easily get lost. And once it's lost, the meaning is also lost. And once the meaning of the Lord's Supper is lost, that means the the sacrament becomes meaningless. And it is my prayer today that as for you and I, we've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that we keep the message of the Lord's table as intact as it's supposed to be. Do I have a witness in the house this morning? So Paul sits down. And he begins to write to them. And he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Can we read that together from the screen? One, two, go. For whenever you do this, the breaking of bread and the drinking What are you doing? You are proclaiming my death until I do come. So what I want to, the question that I want to answer today is a very simple question. What is the message in the Lord's table? What is that message? What is that message? What is that message that is in the Lord's table? Every young person are you listening to me, what is the message that is contained in the Lord's table? You've got to understand this. You've got to get this at all costs. It is the greatest message that you've ever heard. And it is the greatest message that you need to embrace in your Christian journey. The message that is in the Lord's table. So I've broken it down into three different components. And I'm saying to you, every believer should know the following three components of the message that is contained in the Lord's table. Every believer, it's a must. It's a must. You've got to know these three components that are contained or that that formulate the message that is in the Lord's table. Number one, what is that message saying? It's saying Jesus died for me. The message in the Lord's table is simply saying Jesus Christ died for me. Somebody say after me, Jesus Christ died for me. That is the first component of the message that you find in the Lord's table. And you cannot afford to lose the meaning of this message. And the message simply says, Jesus Christ died for me. He did not just die, but Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ died for me. That is the message that is contained in the Lord's table. What does that mean when we say Jesus Christ? died for me. Let's go to Romans chapter number 4, verse number 25. Romans 4, verse number 25. Paul, the same writer, Paul writing to another church in Rome, he says to them, this Jesus that we're talking about, he was delivered over to death for our sins. He was delivered over to what? He was delivered over to death for our sins. So when we say Jesus Christ died for me, the meaning of that particular message is that there is forgiveness of sins in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death brought the forgiveness of our sins. You know what? There's nothing that separated us from the love of God apart from the sin. Nothing separates us from God than sin can do. It's only sin that separates us from what? from the love of God. It's only sin that makes us to fall short of the glory of of God. But here is the good news. In the Passover, in the Lord's table, the message that we're finding there is the message that is saying, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. All of your sins, they are forgiven in what Jesus Christ did for us through the cross. So in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we finding? We are finding forgiveness of sins. We are finding forgiveness of sins. So it's important for you as a believer to make sure that you stand in what Jesus Christ did for you. What is it that he did for you? He died for you. What is the meaning of his death for you? Jesus Christ forgave our sins. We were lost in our sins. Everyone was lost in sin. But when Jesus Christ came and his death provided the forgiveness of our sins, he was delivered over to death. our sins you know what child of god you are forgiven you are forgiven you are forgiven do you know what it means to be in a relationship i'm talking about our relationships and you wrong someone and that person doesn't say anything they don't offer forgiveness to you they don't offer what forgiveness to you? imagine what it becomes like imagine how stressful those who are married, imagine the atmosphere in the house. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where people end up going forward for two, three days. They're not talking to each other. Am I talking some sense in the house? Couples, amen. Couples, amen. Even to our young people, you've done something wrong. Yeah, and you know that mom is not happy and she's not saying anything. You ask for sweets and she says no. Imagine what? It be. Imagine the atmosphere that goes in there. But things be to God. Because our relationship with God, God never kept quiet. He wasn't silent and he's not silent to you. God is simply saying, you know what? I know the wrong that you have done, but I'm choosing to forgive you. I'm choosing, I've chosen to forgive you. And you know what? My forgiveness is not just in words of mouth, but it's sacrificial forgiveness. My son had to die on the cross. Someone had to die for your sins to be forgiven. So, when we say the message of the cross, we are simply saying, Jesus died for me, and his death was for the forgiveness of my sins. But not only that, not only is his death speaking of forgiveness of sins, but when you come to Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 14. Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 14. The same writer Paul, I believe it's Paul. Theologians argue as to the author of the book of Hebrews, but I believe it was Paul. He writes and he says, Therefore, since these his children, that's the believers, if since they share in flesh and blood, that is the physical nature of mankind, since we share in that, he himself, that is Jesus, is a similar manner also, in a similar manner also. Shared in the same physical nature. That is why Christ came and he became man just like us. But listen, the reason why he did that. But he, he, he had no sin, but no sin was found in him. So that, that is the reason, so that through experiencing death, he might make powerless or ineffective or impotent him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So the message that we see in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, he was able to make powerless the one who was carrying the power of death. That is the devil. So, the message of the cross, the message of the cross is simply declaring that your enemy was defeated. That is the message of the cross. So when we say Jesus died for me, in other words, we're saying Jesus overcame the enemy for me. The devil was defeated on the cross for you and me. That is the message of the cross. So when we say you've got to make sure that you understand the message of the cross, we are saying understand this, that your sins are forgiven. And that not only are your sins forgiven, but that Jesus overcame the enemy for you. I like how the same writer Paul puts it in the book of Colossians, chapter number 2, verse number 5. He says, God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority with the cross. He won the victory and showed the world that they were powerless. Another version says, he disarmed the principalities and he made a public spectacle of them. And he triumphed over them through the cross. So when we speak about the death, we are speaking about forgiveness. We are saying that your enemy was defeated. Your sins are forgiven. And your enemy was defeated. Your enemy was defeated. And God made a public spectacle. Now the image picture that the writer is using, you know, back in the, in, in, in the, in the first century, when, when, when kings went to war, right, and I defeat, suppose I go to war with King Busy. Okay, they were kings. King Danny and King Busy, they go to war. And then it happens that uh, I, I defeat King Busy. So what I will do is I will take Mr. Busy and bring him into my domain, my territory, bring him into my city. And I will bind him with chains, hands and feet. And I will strip him off of all his royal garments I would strip him off of his, uh, his military garments and I would put rags on him, right? Because I've defeated him. And then what I would do, I would take him by hand and go on the high streets and parade him, showing everyone in the city that I overcame him. So when the Bible says, God made a public spectacle of him, he's saying that he took the devil He stripped him of every power that he had and he, 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 he took him by hand and he paraded him to the entire world. This time, it wasn't just in Jerusalem, but he paraded him to the entire world, Africa, Asia, Australia, everywhere. He paraded him, showing that he has overcome him. So let me tell you, church of God, your enemy was defeated. Your enemy was defeated. And that is the message that is contained in the Lord's table. I don't know about you, but I grew up uh, at school. You know what? Bullying, bullying never started in, the, in, in, in England. Yeah? You know, sometimes we talk about bullying as if it started here. I, 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 I remember when I was in primary school, we used to have this guy. I won't, I won't make mention of his name because maybe you know him. Maybe he's your relative. I don't know. So this, this guy was feared by almost everyone at school. Everyone was afraid of him. Everyone was afraid of him. And, uh, and, 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 and the moment you see him, even if you don't talk to him, he has never said anything to you, you have never done anything to him, you just feel like, you know I have to take a different route. You just feel like, you know what, I, I, I have to go somewhere unplanned. Because he was one of the most feared guys at school. So if, if you're going to wrong him and if you're going to wrong any of his young brothers or anyone who's in his camp, you, you know for sure that you're now, you're, you're now in trouble. But I remember the other day, because everyone was afraid to challenge him, because he was big in his session, it's physically big. So one day, um, I don't know if there was a, 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 a misunderstanding or a disagreement uh, with this other little boy. And, 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 and this little boy, you know, you know sometimes we behave like children. E- every child, if you wrong them, they say, I'm going to report you to my dad. Yeah, because they believe that their dad is what? It's powerful, he it can beat everyone in the world. Yeah? yeah? Every child, that's what they think. And please keep thinking that way. Your dad is the most what? Most powerful. So this young boy said, you know what, I'm going to report you to my big brother as well. He was so confident that my big brother can beat you. Right. Though his big brother, in terms of stature, he was smaller than this Guy at school so he went and he reported to his brother and his brother came in and said you know no one can do that to my young brother you know what our big brothers do at back home no, no one can bully my young brother but he doesn't know the the enemy and the size of the enemy who is awaiting there so he went in there and when he saw him he kind of like panicked at first but he said you know what I'm not going to keep quiet and I'm not going to give in I'm going to fight this person and you know what we we you know at, at school we, we we like to see people fighting. I it's a it's a big thing. We we, we used to like it so much. <clears throat> just just watching people it's unfortunate that there were no we, didn't, we had no phones and there was no Facebook then. We could have Facebooked and then and did everything that we could have done. So we, we, we watched them fighting. And you know what, to the amazement of everyone else, this big guy that we thought he cannot be defeated. This big guy, we thought that now this is the Mike Tyson of our time. Invincible, cannot be defeated. You know, we saw him going down. You know, and everyone who used to be afraid of this guy, they changed on that day. And they, they, they begin to realize that, you know what, our Mike Tyson can actually be defeated. We witnessed our Mike Tyson on the ground. And I'm here to declare to you that, you know what, for a long time perhaps, you thought the devil is more powerful. You reasoned in your mind that, you know what, the devil is so powerful. He has done so, he has done ABCD, he has done XYZ in my life, and you thought that you cannot overcome the devil. But I'm so glad that when the big brother came, Jesus the Christ, when he came, everyone was looking at him and they were saying, you know what, Ah, can Jesus defeat him? He's so young. It's like the battle between David and Goliath. The brothers are saying, no, 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 young man, no, 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 young man, you, you cannot do this. You, you're out of your mind. Why? Because they are considering his stature, his body size, and they're looking at Goliath, and they're saying, Goliath is too big for you. But let me tell you, great things are not in physical stature. Real power is not in physical stature. Real power is on the inside of you. Real power is based on who is on your side. So David went and he fought, and he overcame Goliath, the Mike Tyson of that time. He was overcome. And guess what? The brothers who were running away from Goliath for 40 days and 40 nights, when they saw Goliath on the ground, what did they do? Everyone came out from their camps. They began to rejoice. They pulled out their, army, their, 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 their weapons, and they chased the Philistines. You know, I don't know, some courage just came from nowhere. Strength came from nowhere. Yeah, Something that was already in them, but it was locked because they were afraid of the enemy. And when we say Jesus died for you, all we are saying is that it doesn't matter how big your enemy is. We've got the big brother who came in, and he overcame the enemy. And he made a public spectacle of him. And he triumphed him. He overcame him by the cross. So the message that is in the gloss table is the message that is saying you are forgiven and your enemy was defeated. That is why the scripture says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the real enemy was defeated. The real enemy was defeated. That's why in the morning I like the present worship team. They sang the song, the, 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 the anthem. You have won victory. Is that the song? Death could could not hold him down. Why? Because it was the enemy who was holding death and using the weapon of death on people. So everyone was afraid of the devil. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he overcame the enemy, he defeated the one who was holding the power of death. I think that's exciting to me. Somebody say, Jesus died for me. Somebody say, Jesus died for me. So the message in the Lord's table is simply saying, Jesus died for me. You know, don't complicate it, it's it's that simple. Jesus died for me. And in his death, there is forgiveness of sins. In his death, there is victory over the enemy. So stand in your victory. Stand in your victory. That is why we say a believer does not fight for victory, but you're fighting from victory because your enemy was defeated already. Number two, when we say the, the message in the Lord's table, we are saying Jesus is alive. Somebody say Jesus is alive. So number one, we saying Jesus died for you, but the message in the Lord's table is simply saying Jesus is alive. The key scripture that we read, uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter number 11, verse number 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know what? You, you cannot wait for someone who is dead to come. Does that make sense? Yeah? You cannot wait for someone who has died to say, ah, I'm waiting for him at the bus stop. You don't wait for dead people to come, but you wait for people who are alive to what? To come. So the message in the Lord's table is the message that is simply saying, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. In other words, we are talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message that is contained in the Lord's table. Romans chapter number 7, verse number 25. Therefore, this Jesus who's alive, he's able to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he always what? Since he what? Since he always lives to do what? To intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. So we've got a Jesus who is alive. And he lives. He's alive for the purpose of interceding for us. How many of us appreciate the ministry of intercessors? Ah, you know, if you have been in a situation, you know the power of intercessors. Because you will call intercessors to stand in the gap for, for you. It's someone who can carry the Lord for you. It's someone who can carry a burden for you. It's someone who's not concerned about their life, but they're more concerned about you. So they are prepared to do whatever it takes to pull you out from where you are. But they do that through intercessory. They do that through prayers. And the Bible says, because Jesus is alive, he lives forever to intercede for us and to intervene. Who doesn't want God to intervene in their situation? I don't know about you, but as for me, I want God to intervene in my situation. When I go through a situation, I want this God to come and intervene. But here is the good news. We've got a Savior who is alive. And the Bible says he lives to intercede. Not only to intercede, but he lives to intervene for us. He lives to intervene for us. You know what? Don't waste your time looking for for, for help from anywhere else. You've got an intercessor. You've got an intercessor in your life. (laughs) People may fail to pray for you. The pastor may even fail to pray for you. But you've got an intercessor who lives always to intercede for you and to intervene for you. He's a good savior. And his name is none other than Jesus the Christ. The message in the Lord's table is simply saying Jesus died for me, and Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive. Number three, the message in the Lord's table is simply saying, Jesus is coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. As often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you are proclaiming my death until I come. As often as you do this, what are you doing? You are proclaiming my death. You are announcing my death. And you are also announcing that I am coming back again. So the Lord's table is the greatest message in the Christian faith. Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is coming back. You know what? He is coming back for you. He died for you. He is alive for you, and he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for his church. I like the way that he puts it when he was talking to his disciples in John chapter number 14, verse 2 to 3. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back. I will come back, not just to show my face. I will come back and take you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Ooh. I like that. I don't know about you. What are you waiting for in this world? I'm waiting for the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ so that he can take me and place me where he is, so that wherever he is, that is exactly where I am. That is the greatest message that is contained in the Lord's Table. Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. No wonder why the devil is doing everything he can do to distract us so that we can forget the message. It's dangerous when believers forget that Jesus Christ is coming back. You cannot afford to live as though you are in here indefinitely. You may have an indefinite stay in the United Kingdom, but you don't have an indefinite stay in this world. Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's coming back to take you and take you to be where he is. In the Father's house, there are many rooms. Ladies and gentlemen, we may like it or we may not like it, but the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ is coming back again. So every time we sit on the Lord's table, the message that is contained in this table is simply saying, my sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ died for me. In other words, I'm accepted of the Father. When I come to the table, I am not a foreigner, but I'm part of the family. I'm an heir to the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God. I'm adopted in the family so I can sit on the table and partake of the Lord's table. The message is simply saying, my saviour is alive. My saviour is alive. I don't want a saviour who's dead, but I want a saviour who's alive because one who is alive can respond, can attend to my situation. When I call on him, he can respond, he can answer me. A dead Savior cannot do that. But I'm grateful, Church of God, that our Savior is not dead. They put him in the grave, but on the third day he rose again. Death could not hold him down. The grave could not even contain him. Our Savior is alive. When they thought that they had done away with him, but on the third day, the Bible says he rose again. On the third day he rose again. our Savior is alive. It's as simple as that. You know, sometimes we complicate the Christian, the Christian message. But this is how simple the message is. The message of our Christian faith is simply saying, Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is coming back again for me. Can I just show you very quickly, Emmanuel, I need help you help me on this one. How the New Testament church that we see in the book of Acts. They they understood the message in the Lord's table. And even their preaching, it was the preaching of this message. Acts chapter number two, verse number 14. This is Peter. This is the first message. I said, this is the first message of the church because the church was birthed on Pentecost, right? The church was fully birthed on what? on pentecost so we see peter standing and he's giving the first message of the church and he says then peter stood up with the eleven he raised his voice and addressed the crowd fellow jews and all of you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i say can you jump to verse number 22 to 24. fellow israelites listen to this jesus of nazareth was a man accredited by god to you by miracles Wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, <laughs> and you, he's pointing to the Pharisees, he's pointing to the Jews, and you, with the help of wicked men, the Romans, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. It was impossible. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Can you see? They are preaching the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are preaching the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message of the Christian faith. You took him and through the help of wicked men, you nailed him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. I like this gospel. Acts chapter number three, the next chapter, verse number 11 to 16. Peter's second sermon, the second message of the church. While the men healed, this was when Peter and John, when they healed, this man was sitting on the beautiful gate, begging money. And you remember the story when they came to him and they said, silver and gold, we do not have. But what we have is the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, rise up. It was after this man was healed and everyone was seeing him. And then the disciples, they said, while the man, while the man, that's the crowd, he held on to Peter and John. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter <laughs> saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare us as if, By our own power and our godliness, we made this man to walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant who? His servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, death. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and the righteous one in asked that a mentor be released for him. You killed the author of life. But God, but God, but God, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We are witnesses of this. Whenever you sit down to partake of the bread, End of this cup. You're proclaiming, you're proclaiming my death until I come. To proclaim, it means to preach. To proclaim, it means to speak about. To proclaim, it means to announce. It means to witness. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. The New Testament understood that the real message, it is the message of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. The gospel is the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. I remember one point I preached in here and I said even if we call our content gospel music content if there is not that if we don't find the death the resurrection and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ it's another gospel because the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ what is that good news? Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and Jesus Christ is coming back that is the gospel. And the New Testament understood the message. And that is what they stood and they preached at all times. Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is coming back. Acts chapter number 4, verse 8 to 12. I'm almost finishing. This was at a time when Peter and John were put in prison. After they had you this sermon, the elders, they came in. And uh, they summoned them so that they cannot preach the In the name of Jesus Christ. And at some point, they put them in prison. And God released them miraculously. And then this time, he's he's speaking to them and saying, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lamb, and are being asked how he was healed, they know this. You and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Which Jesus of Nazareth? The one you crucified. You know, they would find a way to preach the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God. Ooh. The one you crucified. But God raised him from the dead. That is, That this man stands before you is healed. Jesus is the stone builders rejected. The cornerstone. Which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven. He given to mankind by which we must be saved. Acts 4 verse number 33. With great power. The apostles continued to proclaim or to testify, to speak about to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see the message? They never stopped to preach the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in all in them all. God's grace or great grace was manifesting because they were witnesses of the death the resurrection and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The message of our Christian faith is very simple. Jesus died for me, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is coming back. That's the message. That is the message. And I like how Paul puts it. I'll conclude with that one. How Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. He was saying, you know what, the 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 the, the Greeks—they're so much into wisdom. If you stand up and speak to them, you've you've got to you've got to show some wisdom in your words, in your in the construction of your words, and your sentences. That that's what that's that's what moves the Greeks. As for the Jews, they're always looking for miracles. And you see that this miracle thing did not start now, where everyone is running for what? They want signs. They want miracles. If you don't do miracles, you're not powerful. But, gee, but Paul stood up and says, We did not even come with the eloquence of speech. But what did we do? But we preached Christ crucified, which has become a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. Church of God. A simple message. Is Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive for me. And Jesus is coming back for me. Every young person in the house, do you want to repeat that after me? Say, Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive for me. And Jesus is coming back for me. So if anyone is going to ask you, what's the story of your Christian message? What is the Christian message? This is the Christian message. Jesus died for me. Jesus is alive for me. Jesus is coming back. And then when you start to witness to them, you don't change the message. You simply say to them, Jesus died for you. He is alive for you. And He's coming back for you. You need to accept him to become your savior. That That is Christianity. That is everything. That is exactly what is contained in this table. As often as you drink from this cup, as often wh- or whenever you eat, is that right? Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? You're proclaiming. You're proclaiming. You're proclaiming. Can I just give you two minutes wherever you're sitting and say, Father, I thank you? Just say a prayer and say, Father, I thank you for the message. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you that you are alive for me. You are interceding. You are intervening for me. And I thank you that you're also coming back to take me. Thank you for tuning in to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeems.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship (AFMIM). Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with PastaDiana on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.